Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Stolen Science Podcast. I am Kendall Gilmet here with Harry Pavlidis. Hello, Harry. Hey, Kendall. What number was that? 33. 33. 30. Okay. 3. I, I don't have any 33 material prepared. 30 Trace. 30 Trace. Uh, today, we are going to be talking with Jonathan Judge and Rob McEwen of Baseball Prospectus uh, about DRC Plus and Pakoda, which comes out today. Happy Pakoda Day, everyone. Happy Pakoda Day. What else you got going on? What else is in the hopper for you here, Harry? We are enjoying the uh, series Del Caribe, the culmination of uh, the, the South American and Central American baseball seasons that run in our winter, their summer, for some of these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it got moved to Panama at the last minute, very, very last minute due to the unrest in Venezuela. So Panama got into the event a year early. They were not supposed to be oh, a competitor I, until next year, if if at all. Next year. I didn't realize that. I, I, I Yeah. I mean, for quite a while recently, it's there's been multiple different countries in this over the history. It's a very long history. We're not going to cover all of that tonight. Maybe another show, but you know, in like recent years, there have been four teams: the winner of the Puerto Rican League, which is now the Roberto Clemente League, the Venezuelan Professional Baseball League, the uh, Mexican Pacific League, which they have a Triple A season. You know, it's regarded as Triple A officially during the you know, during summer. Right. Uh, they also have their winter league in the Pacific coast of Mexico, hence the name. And of course the Dominican Republic has the Liga Dominicana. So you have those four teams have traditionally been the core. Cuba has been back and being as the fifth team for a couple few years now. Puerto Rico is the two time defending champion, which is the first time they'd won since I think like seventeen years, eighteen years. I think they won in two thousand and then it wasn't until twenty seventeen. And the way that this goes is um, the, it's the champions of each of those leagues and they come and they play in a tournament? Yes. And next year, the plan was to have Panama, Nicaragua, and I think Argentina. I feel like I might be making a mistake there. But, um, but those, to have those three teams, the winners of those leagues, compete to participate as team number six. But because the series had to be moved uh they wanted to do it in mexico originally but they couldn't apparently mexico is like we don't have any logistics to do this right now and they just said okay we're going to panama and they're playing it all in the uh, rod crew stadium uh and it's two games a day it's kind of a weird thing so they're doing two pools of three teams playing a double round robin <laughs> so you play two teams twice and the team with the best record will play from each of those two pools will have uh, one game final it's usually a little different than that but because of the short they had to shorten up the schedule by a weekend i think because of the move to panama right panama pulled off a pretty big upset uh so they're about to actually start any second now against puerto rico in their second game but in a pretty big surprise panama beat the dominican republic in their opening game so pretty cool mariano rivera was uh throughout the big ceremonial first pitch and uh, in one of the games on the first day. So it's kind of a nice thing for Panama, and uh, it's, it's a great event. Love it. So I'm glad it's going on despite the uh, problems that were happening and that it's been really exciting so far. Yeah, and I know that that we have up at BP, there's like a, um, like a primer for how to watch yes. this uh, in the U.S., and uh, so... You can do a search on BP for that. All right, should we uh, talk to Jonathan and uh, Rob now? Let's get them on the horn. All right, let's do it. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us today. We have uh, Rob McEwen and Jonathan Judge who are have rolled out a bunch of new stuff this week. We've got um, the DRC Plus 1.1 and then also the Pakoda um, projections released this week. So, Jonathan, Rob, thanks for joining us. Sure. Hey, thank you. So, Jonathan, um, we have talked previously, but I don't think we've had you on since uh, DRC Plus. So, um, 
this week. I know that we released kind of the an update to that. So DRC Plus, I'll just kind of maybe lay it out and you can correct me where I get it wrong. DRC Plus is an indexed stat that tries to measure the deserved contribution for batters. And uh, so 100 being league average, anything above that is percentage points above average and then below is percentage points below average uh is that so far my have i gotten it right sure i think that works pretty well <laughs> awesome they were the revisions that that are coming out this week or the the new version of it can you explain kind of why um we needed to to make some revisions and, and then what they were sure so there were really sort of um, two things that we had sort of noticed. And one was that um, even though the sort of, I mean, we were largely scoring things uh, through what I would say is just overall average performance, and that was rating extremely strongly compared to other other batting statistics. But the sort of challenging thing whenever you're using benchmarks is that it's, you know, you're usually looking at average performance, and there are always different sort of combinations and permutations and things that you try to think of as many of them as you can, but you don't always catch all of them. And in this case, one thing that became apparent to us shortly after we released it was that the park adjustments are not fully being withdrawn from the actual sort of batter predictions. And that's an issue because the point of the metric is to be park adjusted and so, and in fact, to be far more accurately park-adjusted uh, than other options. So if the park effects are not being fully drawn out, that is sort of contrary to the goal of the project. Right. So um, what I did was kind of went back and took a hard look at it and sort of figured out what was going on and you know, made sure, and this was actually a change we made right away, I think, Harry. I think it was probably within like a couple of days. Um, just went out, corrected that code, and then that was that was promptly addressed. And now, uh, as I showed in the article today, you can kind of compare batters to their sort of home home parks, and there's pretty much absolutely zero connection now. It has been entirely disassociated in all respects. So, so that problem has been addressed, and so now the metric that seems we think to be doing a better job with parks in general is also doing better with parks as applied to the individual batters, which is is good. Um, the second and larger challenge was, and it, which is really the reason why it's taken this long to roll out an update, because we just we didn't want to do it, you know, sort of on a patchwork basis. We wanted to just make one set of updates and and hopefully be done, um, at least for the foreseeable future. And the, the larger issue was what we would call the extreme players, and that was a, a really interesting problem that we got a lot of good feedback on um, from from folks who who were sort of saying, you know, you're, you're doing a really good job of predicting so many of these folks, but you're, there are these folks at the margins who seem like they actually are really good or, you know, really not so good players, and you're kind of smoothing them over a little bit more than you probably should. And this is like and, the, the Tony Gwynn's, the Ichiro's, like the... One we profile emptied the three thousand hit club. <laughs> right, yeah. One profile Correct. is like a really, yeah. really good singles hitter who could consistently do that over and over and over and over and over and over again. Right, that was kind of something that was lost. Correct. So that was the that was sort of the most obvious category, and because and I think a lot of that has to do with just sort of baseball history. I mean, back from a time when even when all of us were still growing up, that batting average was still king, and so people who ran up big batting averages were uh, you know, were were held in high esteem, and so, you know, but the ability to generate a high batting average, which generally involves hitting a disproportionate number of singles, is is hard to do, and it's actually considered a sort of a, almost with with um, batting average on balls in play, a sort of non-skill for a lot of players. It's, it's people see that and they just say, oh well, you know, talk to me next year. Um, but there are, there are those very few players who sort of have that ability to somehow get the ball in play and get it down and get it where somebody isn't. And so, yeah, the 3,000 hit club people were, were getting shrunk a little bit. And, and the sort of challenge about that, which makes it really interesting, is that there's actually a long history in sort of baseball statistics of sort of proudly shrinking batting averages. 
Um, there's like a, an Efron and Morris paper. I don't know if people have used this for years. You know, look at the batting average in the first half, look at the batting average in the second half, and, you know, see how you have to not take the first half seriously to understand the rest of the season. And, and so, you know, when we saw people, when we were developing it, sort of getting shrunk a little bit in each season, that really didn't scream out as a problem because it was, well, of course they're doing that. You know, no one, no one fully deserves every hit that they get, so, so that's all very normal. And the, the trick here, though, was that we're not simply looking at what people will do in the second half of a season. We're looking at careers. And in, in over careers, players, there are certain players who actually do these extreme things and keep doing them over and over and over again. And so the, the issue then was, though, we've, we've got a sort of a, a tension here because if, if all you're going to do is, is presume that people with sort of extreme performances must deserve those performances, well, then, you know, you're not really accomplishing a whole lot um, because right. a lot of those extreme performances are not real. And, uh, and there are some people who I think prefer to just use raw statistics and do that. And that's fine. People should use what they want. But I think people need to be honest and admit that what they're basically doing there is sort of picking their friends out of a crowd. They kind of say, well, you know, this guy looks real to me, or this guy did it for a few years in a row. And, and that's fine. And, and that's, that's reasonable, but it's not exactly a systematic approach that's going to sort of consistently apply the same rules to everybody. And so we, we wanted to keep shrinking the people toward the middle because that's how you get more accurate results but we didn't want to do it so much that you were uh, affecting these people on the outside and that that just took a long time to figure out and it, it took weeks and lots of consultation lots of discussion lots of back and forth and it probably was took us about a month i would say to like early january before we had something we liked and then it's been the past couple of weeks of sort of testing and discussion and and things like that to really sort of get it to the point where we're saying, you know what, this, this is good. This is actually a, a real improvement, and most importantly, we can now accommodate these extreme performances without losing our ability to project the, the so-called average Joe. Uh, and so we're, we're somewhat having our cake and eating it, too, which was the goal. And uh, so that's why, now that we had that done also, we rolled that and the park uh, rating issue um, fix all out at once excellent and also kind of in conjunction i know that it's also rolled into pakoda the projections um that are also being released this week um is well, that, there were interdependencies <laughs> yeah right so yeah. so with with those being rolled in how um is that something where you anticipate um folks being able to use Pakoda differently now, um, or it's just uh, another uh, another addition to Pakoda to make it that much more rich. Interesting. Um, so I, I would not say that it um, necessarily would change the way people would use Pakoda. I, I think um, you know making it much more rich. I think would be fair in the sense that that's our. You know, DRC Plus is now our everyday batter metric, so if we're going to issue a projection system for batters, it probably should include that. And so for that reason, sort of getting it the update done, and of course the update has been you know, done internally for a while, and we were using it for, for Pakoda, um, but it, it's definitely important for those two to be on the same page. I think the sort of interesting thing that DRC brings, and I'm curious what other people think, um, is that you, you actually can put a little more faith in the sort of actual DRC plus value in terms of it really pegging a player, um, more so than I think with WRC plus or OPS plus, which I think do a perfectly reasonable job, but are much more subject to the sort of, uh, you know, highs and lows and just random variants of a season. So, I, it wouldn't surprise me if people were starting to sort of put the sort of you know, last season's DRC plus on one side of the table and then on the other one saying, okay, what's the projection for the future for their DRC plus or some of these other things and treating, treating some of these past ratings as not so much just a, an, an untrustworthy input, you know, one out of three, but as a, you know, these two actually should have a lot in common with each other, perhaps more so than we would have expected with, with true average or, or with something else. So I, I think people will probably use it a little differently, but a lot of it was just recognizing that if we're going to have a new metric, we've got to have it be part of the coda because people like 
summary statistics. They want to be able to just kind of say, look, on balance, I can dig into the components later. Is this person, though, going to be above average, average, below? Right. And just get a snapshot of, of what kind of player this person will be. And, and so I, I think it is something that a lot of people will be looking for the moment that they, that they flip it open. I think the, um, one of the most important things to me was that this improves the inputs into Pocota, is that we have a better handle on the performance of the hitter in a given season. And for each season, that's an input <laughs> to Pocota. So I think that from a, you know, it's good to know what happened in the past, but the most, most important thing in baseball is generally what's going to happen next. So I think improving the inputs, and I'm very curious to see how we do. So um, the idea there is is better inputs equals better projections. I that yeah that's, it, that's it, the it, idea it, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's kind that's, of yeah. you know it's like these like Jonathan said that these are more these are a, a more realistic, more believable measure of the performance that season than that's um, we've had before. Definitely back up what Harry said there. It's in the past we've taken TAV and you know, started with that for Pakoda. And as Jonathan will be quick to point out, you know, DRC plus performs a lot better than TAV. So, I, I mean, right there, there's a huge gain. And there were some other changes to Pakoda that we could talk about once we get done talking about the changes to DRC plus. But yeah, I think that, I, yeah, now's a good time for that. If, if there are like, can you, exp- I was just going to ask that too. So, um, what were some other other changes to Pagoda? Say the two monumental things other than changing the baseline stat from TAV to DRC plus would be that we completely redid the, the MLE thing for minor league stats. The conversions for minor league equivalencies. And then we also um, drastically changed the weights assigned to previous years in terms of projecting where Pakoda you know any any longtime reader of BP or maybe even one year reader of BP would notice there's been a tendency of you know Pakoda in the past to have been taken a little quite a bit longer term view on players than than other projection systems such that true changes in ability say Daniel Murphy didn't necessarily get reflected accurately in the projection because so much weight was given to past, you know, distant past seasons, not just one or two. And now that, that those weightings have been changed and are done, you know, recalculated in a, a manner that Jonathan can explain a little better probably, but you know, that they're definitely modeled a lot better than they, they were in the past. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's interesting because one of the the hallmarks of sort of batter Pakoda, at least this is how I my sense of it was that it was it was very conservative, um, you know, particularly with younger players, and that wasn't necessarily a bad thing because even though it it might cause people to grind their teeth every spring when they look at their person who they think is going to be the next big thing, it really, I think, tended to still do pretty darn well, um, you know, at the end of the day. And on a league-wide basis, um, but you know, DRC changes things a little bit because the components are already somewhat pre-shrunk a little bit, so we can be a little bolder uh, in making those assessments. And uh, you know, it just it basically ends up that this system, this year's adjustment using sort of DRC inputs, is just not as afraid to be more aggressive. And I guess we'll find out if that's. Uh, you know, good or bad, but, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, saying that, you know, certain players, you know, Gueros and such uh, are going to be, you know, really good is that, you know, crazy of a thing to say. Um, but we're, we're certainly noticing that there's less uh, concern about, um, you know, really looking for a long track record and really sort of fitting to that track record. We're definitely taking a few more risks um, in this, in this round and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's, it's a philosophically a, a, a good thing because what we're basically, we're recognizing that talent can, you know, the talent of the player is very hard to measure and the performance can change when 
even the talent has been there or is latent, you know, it's like, we're just trying to measure performance and what is a sustainable performance. And that's always been hard to do because the more information you have going back, the more, you know, there's, there's benefits to it. But I think it's manifested in things like, uh, Albert Pujols being predicted to bounce back, you know, early in his decline. Like we did not like appreciate completely that his decline was real. And we may have accidentally been right for a season, things like that. Um, you know, like we didn't believe in Chris Davis and it was correct. It fell back. But the, those, those are, you know, we, people always pointed to examples in either direction, but the general trend was to be careful and be conservative and in general, I don't think that's a bad thing. But now that we have more, more accurate measurements, if I can say, of of hitting contributions, then by all means, we should be able to turn that other knob up. So it does it, and like you said, it, there's a risk to it, but it's built on a solid, more solid input. So the risk is somewhat mitigated because we've already taken out some of that noise. Yeah, I think so. And, and, uh, you know, how, how much we'll find out, but I, no, I, I really feel that way. I mean, that was, you know, and of course it's not like we're, you know, throwing darts to come up with these weights. These are, you know, things that we say, okay, now you're weighing DRC, uh, you know, predicted strikeout rates and walk rates and home run rates. And, and so, you know, they're, they're going to change a little bit, um, because it, uh, it's going to have, you know, it's going to weigh the different, you know, prior contributions in a slightly different way, but it's, you know, if, if given the sort of previously applied sort of, um, you know, shrinkage and whatever, and if you're still demonstrating a really strong performance, then, you know, giving you the higher rating is not something that's as big of a deal. So it, it is different. It is interesting, as always. Um, it's hard. Uh, that's something that I always kind of underappreciate um, is that it, it really is hard. And it's hard because you you basically find yourself – always having a couple of guys that are somewhat surprising. And then you think about it some more and you realize that, well, there's, you know, they fall into a category. And so this category of player, you have to be a little careful about, or maybe you want to accommodate this. But when you do that, the problem is you probably some other category of player then gets affected by that. So it's really quite an elaborate balancing act of, um, of sort of rules to make. And uh, all you can do is sort of kind of keep, keep thinking about it, keep, trying to make sound baseball judgments in terms of what's trustworthy and what's not. And then just otherwise sort of at the, in the end, trust your system and recognize that uh, there's a reason why pretty much any projection system seems to outdo humans every year in the um, pick your results game. And a lot of it's just because they are consistently applying rules to players, uh, even if they're not the best rules in retrospect, um, which is something that human beings are really bad at. And yeah, so um, once you kind of have the, the system that seems to make the most sense, given all the things that you, you're weighing, you have to kind of be willing to trust it and, and let, it, uh, let it make it fit. And obviously you want the vast, vast majority of the predictions to make sense. And by the end of it, I was, I was pretty satisfied with it. You know, maybe a couple of guys that we'll be watching with, with great interest, I guess I would say. But uh, generally speaking, it, it it really just felt a, a lot, a lot better to me at least when we were all finally ready to go. I think the uh, thing about groups is is important. It's like it's hard to predict, project performance no matter what, but it's it's harder for certain types of players. And certain type of players, you have to realize that they they break the heuristic, so they get their own. So it's certain things like how we how we looked at. Uh, Older players in the minor leagues, did that actually make any production changes? But I think at least conceptually, it's one of the things we talked about was that you have, there's, you know, there's all sorts of things to consider contextually to determine what that player may do at a different level or in the next year. You know, so it's not just simple aging curves based on performance, based on translations. There's something about how you group players. So, you know, how do you recognize a quad A player? that can actually produce versus one that probably won't because that's a very valuable, important thing in baseball. And I think it's interesting that some of the things that Pakoda has plucked out are things like, uh, you know, players who seem to be very good with very short track records. And I think what Luke Voigt is one of those, I, I believe. Yep. Uh, yeah. 
there's probably going to be some writing done about this, like people like him who have short MLB track records, but produce some like gaudy looking stat cast numbers and also had some good minor league numbers. And, and you know, and StatCast data is not used as an input to Dakota at this time. So it's interesting when we, you know, people are going to look at who do we agree with and, and what, what what are the, uh, you know, disagreements. But I think there's something in here where it's like it's able to see performance quickly. And if another thing that can see performance quickly is the ball tracking system, <laughs> which should see it faster. It's going to be kind of neat if we can find cases where Dakota either is, is right on schedule with it or perhaps maybe lagging behind from that. And that, that will be informative to us, I think, in terms of future plans. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so I, and I think that'll, that'll be interesting also and how we sort of weigh those various things. I mean, we've seen from the sort of DRC articles that um, on a year-to-year basis that DRC Plus seems to be doing a better job of pegging hitters, um, you know, sort of reliability and predictiveness and other factors than, you know, XLOBA or XBA from, uh, you know, from uh, from MLBAM, which, you know, both I think are reasonable um, in a lot of their assessments, but DRC Plus seems to be doing a slightly better job on a year-over-year basis in picking up on sort of trends that seem to last. So I, it, it is interesting. I think there are just sort of different ways to, to, to kind of go about it. And, um, you know, but most people, of course, will look at multiple systems and give, you know, give some weight to all of them and, and decide what they want to do. And ultimately, of course, <laughs> draft their own players. But um, it will be interesting to kind of compare the results and see how, uh, see how everybody compares. It, it is interesting also because StatCast things are available for major league players. And, you know, even those entries aren't, aren't complete all the time. Uh, for minor leaguers, that's just a nice advantage that um, ball clubs have that we do not. So they, they can, I think, probably have a sort of cradle-to-grave uh, sort of projection system that relies on that additional input. And, you know, whereas we have to sort of, you know, I'm sure they, obviously they use a lot of good statistical methods too, but statistical methods are, <laughs> we we lean on them heavily. Let's yeah, you know, you can really, um, Sean O'Rourke would come on here and explain that the, you cannot really run a radar around a mobile a mobile because yeah. it's all the stuff moving and bouncing and it's, uh, you know, so no, the cradle to grave thing is not happening. Toddlers, no, yes. <laughs> you definitely yeah. can. So it's interesting. It, it'll be nice to get, you know, I'm sure as that data becomes more available or in theory, I'd like to think it would be, it, you know, you'll have more perspectives on this stuff, including the people who are quick adjusters and are learning quickly. In, um, in, in the meantime, uh, to me, it's nice that we have a system that works without it because even for major leaguers, because it's the same system as with minor leaguers. I mean, that, you know, you know there, there's there's something appealing to me in terms of managing it and, and understanding it and, and testing it where it's the same recipe. So yeah, there, there's pros and cons of whatever you put in. And that's why there should be multiple systems out there that people can compare. Please consider our systems as one of the ones you look at. <laughs> Jonathan, can I ask you a, a DRC question? So if, like you were just talking about, so this coming season, if somebody starts off super hot or whatever, and they're dropping a super fat DRC plus, is that something um, where we would think that that would be something that would continue or not necessarily, it can't necessarily be used in that way? Does that question make sense? It does. Um, in other words, if you if you have someone who's had a really hot April, for yeah. example, and I, I would rephrase it this way, and you know they have a really high OPS plus or a really low OPS plus, and you know that that could indicate that they've really found something. It could indicate that you know. In other words, there are lots of articles written every year, content generated about people with terrific Aprils, and yep. by June, everyone seems to have forgotten about these. Uh, you know breathless assessments of hot Aprils from these next stars, um, half of whom are back down uh, in the minor leagues, I think. Um, and so what I think that if the ARC Plus was doing that, would that be more trustworthy? I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, even then, I would keep a 
I would immediately turn to their projection and and wonder if that was really out of line for them there. Um, so yeah, I, I think the answer is it's I I am really careful. I, at least I try to be careful about trying to say that BRC Plus is not trying to predict the future. That's not its job. It's not trying to supplant your system. I, I think that BRC Plus from like say the previous year up against a projection system of any kind is probably not going to do as well. It may. Um, I've just never presumed that it would. We, we, our point of, uh, of, of stressing things like predictiveness and reliability is just to say that we think it's, it helps us get the original measurement right. And you're, because if you are really measuring the, the most the expected contribution of this player, it should keep showing up all the time. And so it's like its predictiveness is sort of a consequence of it, of what, of what we would say is it being well designed rather than sort of the objective of the whole thing. But look, I understand. I certainly don't sit there and pull out a projection for a player every time I look something up um, when the season's getting underway. I've been as excited as anybody else. So yeah, so I would look at that and I would say, wow, um, this person is like in the top 10 or 15 DRZ pluses among hitters uh, in April. It's possible that could fade a bit. Would I expect it to completely fall off the table? Yeah, I, no, I would be pretty surprised if that were the case. I would definitely feel a little bit better about it. Uh, now, of course, this means there's going to be some some case of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course, of immediately. course. Uh, but generally speaking, no, I would definitely feel a little more comfortable about it. And I think the, you know, the data that we've been publishing, the benchmarks we've been publishing, can make people a little more confident that that is. Um, something they can probably trust. So maybe maybe hold on to DRC Plus, their current, and look at their projection to kind of see what's, you know, if there's kind of some consistency there, at least in broad strokes, to kind of understand. Like if somebody's projected for a DRC Plus of 74 and they have a DRC Plus of 142, like probably trust the projection after, from the full season projection of the 74 a little more than the one month production of the 142 is that fair probably probably i although i guess my one caveat there would be uh minor leaguers are hard and yes. minor leaguers you know if that i mean we do translate them but all that those translations are is once again average differences those those differences are clear like they they go right up the ladder i mean they make sense it's 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 true um but there are people who come up, and uh, you know, you know, Juan Soto is a really interesting example in terms of he was someone who tore up the league a lot early, and then sort of people started figuring him out a little bit, and then he he kind of had to struggle a little bit to kind of be adjusted to, and then adjust back. Um, there are people who come up, and they are really successful right away, and um, so. I don't know. I mean, if someone was projected to be, you know, significantly below average and they were above average for a bit, I think I wouldn't think of it so much in terms of will this continue per se. It would be more of like, okay, um, you know, advanced scouts are watching this, and within a couple of weeks, this is not going to be the case anymore. And the real question is going to be two or three months from now, um, are they going to be doing this again? Right. And that is something that I don't think any statistic can really tell you because. Um, you know, if, if they start being suddenly pitched more effectively, their results are going to go down and they are not going to be the same player as they were before. And that, I think, makes total sense. So. All right. Well, and, and mind you, struggle for Juan Soto is that his OPS never went under 900 last year. So Pretty good. Struggle is a pretty relative term here. <laughs> so let's... It is for one of the most gifted, you know, prospects of recent <laughs> So let's, let's kind of move I mean, over... To another person that that we think is uh, probably going to do similar things, um, and that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who um, is kind of has eye popping projections um, in Pakota. And uh, can you explain that? I guess a little bit because it's kind of bonkers to think about uh, a rookie coming up and having a DRC plus um, better than the reigning national league MVP projected with Christian Yelich. Um, so what's up with Vladimir Guerrero jr. And um, is there, I guess, why do we think he's going to be so good? Um, other than he's ripped up uh, all, <laughs> all pitching that he's ever faced, but um 
But yeah, maybe can you speak to to Vladito? Sure. Um, and I, I really want Rob to talk about this too because he has been watching and thinking about, um, you know, minor leaguers for a long time uh, and drafting them and and has thoughts on it. And I, I think the answer is that he is that level of overperformance at every level is just it's just really something it just, he doesn't seem to be bad at anything. And the, you know, usually people who are good hitters, you know, sometimes they struggle to have a whole lot of power or if they have a whole lot of power, they sort of struggle to, you know, make consistent contact or, you know, it's just, baseball seems to be a game of trade-offs and those trade-offs in terms of being a batter are really nowhere more apparent than even for very gifted prospects on their way up the system. But, you know, he does all of these amazing things. And, oh, by the way, he walks a fair amount and he doesn't strike out much. So it's just, it's really just kind of a jaw-dropping collection of skills. And, you know, you can work those trade-offs however you want. One of the things I really like about DRC Plus is that everything is viewed in terms of trade-offs. It's, it's, it's okay, you know, it's, it's like, okay, where are your where are your things coming from? Uh, it's not simply out or not out. It's, okay, if your strikeout rate is going down, what are you doing? Are you hitting into other outs, or are you hitting more singles, or are you doing other things? And the thing is with, with you know, Guerrero Jr., there's just, those trade-offs just aren't there. Like, all the trade-offs go into good things. And, you know, you can apply whatever adjustment you want to, um, and it isn't whatever you want. We Again, we, you know, we have equivalencies and whatever, but even when you discount you add, you know, say a couple of points to his strikeout rate and subtract a couple of points to his walk rate. You can do all those things and you still end up with a player that is significantly, significantly above average. Um, and I don't think we're unique in projecting a very strong performance from him. It's just, um, you know, when you even make the typical just deductions for people generating from level to level, he just, <laughs> what's left over is still just sort of enormously impressive. Uh, I will say that, again, sort of the same caveat as before, which is that, you know, these are average equivalencies. So, you know, I would like to think it's probably going to be a bit more of the same cycle of, you know, show up and do really well maybe for a bit and then people adjust to you and then you adjust back. Uh, so it, it might be a little bit more roller coastery, but the overall average package is just sort of astonishing. And I, I don't even know if, if – if projecting him, I mean, it's almost kind of like that's the sort of player that we, we apply the same rules to him that we do to other people that seem to work well for most people. But I, I, I don't even know if you see someone like that, if you even know what they're going to do. You just sort of are waiting for them to kind of make their own rules, for lack of a better way of putting it. I don't know what other people think. <laughs> yeah, you don't, need, you don't need no fancy computer to tell you that he's going to hit, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, he's one of those. But exactly what the number you stick on him is, is going to vary. To me, the thing that is striking about him is that he's good at everything at a young age. And he's moved quickly. So it's like, okay, <laughs> what this guy obviously can handle everything that he's seen to a degree that you would can't rationally imagine him being bewildered at the major league level. I was going to make a couple of the same exact points Jonathan did. And one I would say when you're saying about you can apply whatever you want to him, it, I, I note now, I just pulled this up while we were sitting here, that one of the other major projection systems has him projected for a WRC plus of 138, which is exactly the DRC plus that we have him projected for. So I, I, I don't think we're going out on a limb here and I don't think this will be a litmus test of how well our projections or DRC plus work. I think, you know, more or less all the world thinks this guy is going to come up and just decimate major league pitching like he's done to minor league pitching, which was kind of my other point. The the extent to which he's battered minor league pitching is, is really dumbfounding. I mean, if you go to his player card and look at his, minor league DRC plus numbers, they're, they're stupendous and, you know, pretty much historic. I mean, Juan Soto didn't even do this. He had much smaller sample sizes than, than Guerrero does. Guerrero's done it in, you know, many, many more plate appearances and at multiple 
you know, every level, it's every level. I mean, he's never failed to post great DRC plus numbers. Yeah, from a development point of view, I think it's going to be super interesting to see him come up and, um, I mean, he's going to be facing American League East pitching, like, it's going to be facing stud, stud, stud pitchers. And to see, because um, he will, like Jonathan, you said, like, he will face adversity. They will have advanced scouts on him to figure out what he's doing and what's, what is he going to do when that happens. And uh, I, I, it's fascinating. He's, uh, he's, um, projected him for the number 10 in Major League Baseball DRC Plus for 2019. Um, so he's 10th on the list, which is amazing. Uh, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just for, for a rookie with zero Major League experience um, to come out like that is, is astonishing. And I'm, for one, I'm super excited to to see just call him up already yeah ah. yes please <laughs> totally. I, I i wouldn't be even the slightest bit worried about it this but the only single tiny cautionary tale with him is he hasn't failed and you know yes. coaches, right. coaches managers always say you know how's a guy going to react when he fails we'll find out yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, we will like they will adjust like he is going to have a game perhaps maybe in that bat where he struggles <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really okay it's gonna be hard um well, but I think like, he'll be prepared. I think he knows enough. Yeah, you know, totally. Uh, that he's going to have to be ready to handle it, and it, then we find out. Probably helps to have a pops who's a hall of famer to to be able to probably b- a few tips bounce yeah. ideas off of. <laughs> yeah, he'll be able to like he'll be able to actually say, "Look, I went through slumps," and you know he he did. But it's, you know, there's that. So it it is true. You know, he does have that, you know, benefit of having someone, you know, close to him who can say this is what it's like. And you can you'll still have massive success. But how he personally emotionally handles that, we do not know. This is true. Right. Well, I think that that's one thing also, obviously, that makes Mike Trout. Mike Trout is um, he just (laughs) continues to adapt and, and find ways to beat you even when. Pictures. We're still waiting on the truck. I can't pass judgment on Trout till I see how he handles failure, and you know, it just I don't know. I don't know yet. We'll see. The jury's still out. Ask him at his retirement ceremony. I will check then. I hope we, you know, I will. We'll have to figure it out. But you know, it's sooner or later. He's got to answer that question. Yeah, but Vladito has the the same buzz and expectations that like a young Miguel Cabrera had. I mean, that's the type of talent you're talking about here where. Yes. So let's hope it all works out as we yeah. all expect. Yeah, for It'd be sure. Awesome. It'd be fun. I, I just think it's sort of notable that I know it's Mike Trout and so it's Mike Trout, but he's a, he is projected to have a DRC plus, let's see, 32 points higher than anybody else. Um, <sighs> you know, which I think it was Jeff Zimmerman who pointed out he hasn't been player of the week and like, three and a half years. Because um, I guess when you're the player of every week, you can't yeah. be the player of the week. Um, but it's it's just sort of, you know, once again, it's sort of like a moment of silence and then we, we proceed onward to the next topic. Yeah, it's but, staggering. Uh, like he's, he's so, we're witnessing, just witnessing greatness. We're watching one of the best to have ever played the game. And we're not watching him enough. Correct. Pour one out. Okay. All right. Pour one out for Mike Trout. All right. Is there anything else that you guys want to mention about uh, Pakoda or um, or DRC Plus or anything like that? I know we haven't talked at all about all about pitching here, but I I want to say that I I did find it you know sort of fascinating at how much better and quick more quickly the pitching projections based on DRA fell into place than the DRC plus based hitting projections. I not sure if that's just based because you can learn a lot more about a pitcher in a lot shorter, you know, a lot lower sample size or some other reason, but we definitely had a lot of iterations on the, the projections this year. And that didn't happen at all when we, when, you know, we, Jonathan did the first pitching projections based on DRA. I mean, those more or less, you know, he did the first 
iteration and there it was. I mean, it worked out and we were happy with the results and that's been borne out over the past, you know, three years now. Yeah. No, I I think that's right. And I I think that um, it's interesting because you would think I would have, I would have certainly guessed, and I think this is basically the root of your comment. I would have guessed coming into this year that, um, that the better ones would be far easier because, well, you know, they're batters. They have more control over the outcome of any at-bat than a pitcher does. So you just sort of, you know, there's just a lot more signal to trust. It should be easier. Well, the problem is that there's actually, I mean, that's somewhat true. And for major leaguers, it's, it's you know, maybe a little easier. But the, the thing is that when there's actually a lot more signal to capture, you have to be careful that you don't lose it. And there are a lot of ways to dilute that um, over the course of, of sort of taking into account different things and equivalencies and, and, you know, pondering possible shrinkage and and things like that. So, so yeah, I would agree. Um, Batters were turned out to be trickier than I would have thought. Um, But I kind of understand now why that is because with, you know, with, with, with pitchers, I mean, you, you know, strikeout rates are surprisingly constant and like walk rates are surprisingly constant and they sort of are for hitters too. But you, if you start, sort of doing the wrong combinations or you, um, you know, you kind of weight certain things less than others. You, you, you can truly get back a set of projections where you look at it and go, what the hell is this? Um, you know, with pitchers, I feel like that doesn't happen very much. I mean, the, the top relievers show up as the top projected relievers, the top starters show up as the top starters. Um, but the batters just feel like they can be a little more sensitive, particularly with the minor leaguers. And, um, uh, so that was certainly unexpected, um, but it's, it's like one of those things that's like, well, okay, that's, that's how it's going to be. Then, uh, I guess that's going to be the holiday season is figuring this out. And, <laughs> and that's kind of what it was, but, uh, you know, then you finally get there to the, to the finish line and you learn even more than you had before. And, uh, that was probably one of the bigger surprises. I would agree definitely about this, uh, this system this year. So one question about a pitcher, um, Jack Flaherty. Uh, he kind of comes in, I know that he's been strong, like he's presented a strong, um, body of work, if you will. Um, but he is, uh, so he's coming into his age 23 season, kind of projected for kind of top 10 strikeouts ahead of other folks. And so he doesn't have a super long track record last year. He, uh, through 151 innings and struck out a ton of people. Flaherty has just been really good. Um, you know, <laughs> I think he's actually projected to be a little bit worse than last year when they thought he was absolutely fabulous. Um, and I think most people would agree he is fabulous. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing I like about him is that, and this is something I, I've, I've actually suspected this now for a couple of years, and it's, it's on the list of projects to look into. I have felt that DRA seems to better anticipate players who will get better next year. Uh, and I don't know if that's because it, of what it values, since the DRA loves strikeouts more than anything in the whole world. Um, but, you know, last year, uh, sorry, not last year, but in 2017, he had 21 innings, uh, FIP of 5.28, ERA of 6.33, DRA of 3.28. Uh, so, and a 70 DRA minus. So he was someone that the DRA was absolutely in love with, um, in very small samples when the results, the sort of raw stats didn't seem to like him as much. Um, so it's not surprising to me that then he shows up the following year and he is basically what DRA said he was the year before, um, you know, low threes. And now he finally has the ERA and the fit to match it as sort of lagging indicators, and so now he's being projected again, just a little bit higher, but still in the sort of mid to high threes for a DRA, which is, a, you know, a little regression, but still is fundamentally this pitcher that DRA seemed to have a, a beat on pretty quickly and, um, you know, really felt that he was going to be great. I see that in the minors, he was consistently rated as having a DRA in the threes. So he's just one of those pitchers that, DRA has had an opinion about, not that models can have opinions, but you know what I mean, has been rated very similarly by our sort of more aggressive statistic for a while. And then this is one case where 
uh, DRA has just been extremely right about a guy and is sort of expecting him to maybe backslide a little bit, but fundamentally still have the strong peripherals and probably therefore have uh, very good results also. And that's the Jack Flaherty story from the, the DRA standpoint. <laughs> Jack Flaherty story. Awesome. Well, it's like a cop show. Definitely a cop show in uh, Philadelphia. Rob and Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Thank you for all of your work on Pakoda and DRC+. Check it all out this week uh, at Baseball Prospectus. And there's, the article was published this week as well, kind of outlining some of the changes and updates to DRC+, that Jonathan mentioned. So we'll link to that as well in the show notes. But thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Kendall. Yep, be back. Thank you again to Jonathan and Rob for coming on. Um, you can check out all the Pakoda information, DRC Plus updates on Baseball Prospectus as of today. So um, go and check out. Um, I know the Pakoda spreadsheets and things like that are available for premium subscribers. So uh, if you are a premium subscriber, go do that. If you're not, go sign up. Or look at the projected standings. I think those are available. So yes, so which will show you why you should sign up. And if you have questions, we have a we have a chat coming up. Yes, the stats team is going to be chatting on Baseball Prospectus on Friday at eleven a.m. Eastern. Eleven a.m. Eastern time. Uh, so if you have any questions about um, Pakoda or DRC Plus or anything on stats related jump on in there um i will will have a, a link to that in the um show notes as well check all of that stuff out there's a, a lot going on at baseball prospectus thanks for joining us Go!